According to some scientists, there are an infinite number of universes. Some of these universes are so bizarrely different from ours that we can't possibly begin to describe what they must be like. Others are nearly exactly the same as ours, with the exception of one tiny detail. For instance, there is a universe somewhere that is a carbon copy of this one, except in that universe, you put on blue socks this morning instead of white ones. If this theory is true, then it means that somewhere there is a universe where the following story is not a story. Somewhere there is a universe where the events described herein have actually occurred. Let's hope that the theory is wrong. The world was a strange and scary place. Across the globe, world governments fought cold wars behind closed doors. Corporations used their vast amounts of money to buy off politicians to get laws passed that would help them make even more money. Computers had become the norm, and people were using these immensely powerful tools to do equally immense tasks and perform terrible crimes. The climate was changing due to pollution and other unnatural human activities, but very few could seem to accept this fact, and those who didn't fought endless, bitter battles with the ones who did. This was all rather depressing, but fortunately this is not the point of this story. This story is about one man. His name was Thomas. He was 25 years old, average height, had thick brown hair, green eyes, glasses, and was just plain fed up with the world. Everything he saw was all depressing all the time. And what's worse, he had the horrible feeling that soon the entire mess of it all would result in several major cities exploding into giant fiery balls that would be visible from space. This, of course, was a very bad thing. But Thomas tried not to think about that too much. Instead, he spent very little time thinking about anything except for work. Thomas groaned and wondered what time it was. He looked over at the clock and groaned again when he got his answer. 5 a.m. He groaned once more as he swung his legs onto the floor and sat up on the edge of the bed, rubbing his eyes. He felt as if he hadn't gotten any sleep at all. This was, of course, entirely possible. He wasn't quite sure when he had gotten to bed last night. All he remembered was doing paperwork until the numbers became indistinguishable from letters, at which point he decided that it probably wasn't wise to continue working. He got up and stumbled towards the bathroom, mentally reviewing his to-do list. Finish checking and organizing papers. Transfer key points of speech to note cards. Grab something for breakfast catch the subway, stop over on 33rd to pick up the dry cleaning, get to office before 8. Thomas stopped moving his toothbrush back and forth. Something caught his eye. Could it be? No, that was impossible. He spit, then looked again. Maybe it was. He leaned in towards the mirror to get a closer look. Gotta be kidding me. He looked intently and saw that it was indeed a gray hair. I'm overworked. Thomas exited the bathroom. He quickly got dressed, deciding to wear a navy-colored suit instead of his usual black. After taking care of the papers and note cards, he ran to the kitchen to grab something to eat. A bagel sounded good. Thomas reached for an onion bagel, then realized he had already brushed and grabbed the plain one instead. He found his briefcase and threw everything in. 
He started to run out the door, then paused and <laughs> laughed at himself. He opened the briefcase again, pulled the bagel back out, and took a bite as he left and locked the door behind him. Thomas walked briskly down the hallway towards the elevators. He stole a look at his watch and realized, with quite a bit of surprise, that he was actually on time. Perhaps he would take the stairs instead. A bit of extra exercise would do him some good, and 15 floors of stairs would certainly get his heart pumping. He dashed to the left, burst through the doors, and began running down the stairs as quickly and carefully as he could. Finally, he reached the first floor landing, panting but feeling much more awake and energized. Morning, Mr. Gordon, Bill the doorman said as Thomas approached. Morning, Bill. Off to work early again, I see. Yeah, as always. At least I'm on time this morning. Say, Bill, you ever wonder what the purpose of this rat race we call life is? Yes, every day, Thomas. Really? Found an answer yet? Nope. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, well, I've got to run. Catch you later, Bill. Have a good day, Thomas. I'll try. As Thomas walked north on Park Avenue towards 86th, the cold winter air set in, making him shiver. When Thomas was younger, he had loved winter. The sledding, fort building, snowball fights, and the slight chance of a snow day made it all worth it. Now that he was all grown up and part of the working world, he hated winter with a passion. He had long since contemplated moving to a warmer climate, but couldn't bring himself to do it. He wasn't at all attached to his job, but he had a great condo and about 20 years worth of memories holding him in his place. Thomas sighed as the subway station came into sight when he rounded the corner on 86th. Another day, another commute. Thomas bounded down the steps into the station. He swiped his metro card, passed through the turnstile, and joined a throng of fellow commuters on the downtown platform. As they stood and waited, a number five express train roared through the station. Thomas looked at his watch. He still had plenty of time. A minute later, a number four pulled into the station. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Brooklyn Brown Express Train Express. One of the stops waiting for number six. You should be right after this one. Thomas would normally take the express, but had to get off at a local stop to pick up the dry cleaning, so he waited. The doors closed and the train departed. True to the conductor's word, a six pulled in less than a minute later. The doors opened and Thomas boarded, miraculously finding a seat. This is the number six local train. Next stop is 77 Street. Stand clear of the closing doors. The train departed without incident and Thomas settled in for the ride. The dry cleaners was near the 33rd Street station, so Thomas had quite a few stops to go through before he got off. Thomas began going over his mental checklist again to pass the time and ensure he hadn't forgotten anything, pausing where needed to hear the conductor's announcements. This is Grand Central Station. Connection will be made here. Basically, you can feed away right next train. So if you want to go to the left, you're out of luck. Next stop, Third Street. Thomas sat up and got his things together. Moments later, the train stopped and Thomas made his way to the street. He walked a short distance and entered the dry cleaners. He approached the unmanned counter, expecting to see someone coming from the back, but no one was visible. Thomas hesitated, then rang the bell next to the register. Silence. Thomas sighed and turned around to watch the traffic on the street behind him. 
The sun was rising ever higher, signaling Thomas that he would be late if he didn't get this dry cleaning and get back on the subway soon. He turned around to ring the bell again, but was surprised to see a man now standing at the register looking at Thomas impatiently. Oh, when did you get here? Hey, I've been here. You're the one wasting my time staring out the window. Well, sorry. You could have said something to let me know you had gotten here. The dry cleaner just tapped his fingers and looked at Thomas expectantly. I'm picking up two suits unnamed Gordon. You got claim ticket? Yeah, just give me a sec. Thomas dug for his wallet. He flipped through its contents, searching for the claim ticket, and didn't find it. He started over and searched for it a second time. Still nothing. Hey, no claim ticket. No, no, hang on. I, I know I have it. Thomas flipped through everything a third time and still didn't find it. No claim ticket, no clothes, goodbye. Wait, can you just, I have to have that suit today. The man was gone. Thomas sighed. He flipped through all the papers a fourth and fifth time and still couldn't find it. He couldn't believe his luck. Dejected, he left and headed back to the subway, wondering where on earth he could have left that ticket. About ten minutes later, he arrived at Union Square and began walking to work. Hello, Janice, he said to the secretary as he arrived at the 14th floor office. Good morning, Mr. Gordon. Big day today. Yeah, unfortunately. Let's hope I survive. I'm sure you'll be fine. Just watch out. Mr. Corbin is in a pretty rotten mood today. Thanks. Let's hope you're right about things being okay. That's why I told you to get it done. No, I can't have it tomorrow. I need it yesterday. Fine, fine. We'll hurry it up. Marty Corbin hung up the phone in disgust. Ugh, you just can't find good help these days, Thomas. Fortunately, you've never let me down. You've always been there for me. Thomas flushed, horrified about the prospect of telling Marty about the dry cleaning. So, Thomas, let's go over the schedule for today, shall we? Yes, sir. You have the speech to the board of directors today at three. I've got your note cards right here. You also have a meeting today with the president of the company right after the meeting with the board, discussing the figures on the paperwork. I finished them last... Thomas, this speech is all wrong. What is this speech? It's all wrong. What happened to the talking points I gave you? What? What do you mean? I used the talking points that Jazz gave me yesterday. I don't know what talking points you're referring to, because these are certainly not the talking points Janice would have given you. I, I'm sorry, sir, but that's all I have. I don't know that. It I looks like I was too quick to give you praise. This will do, though, I suppose. Marty sat in silence, flipping through the note cards and grimacing occasionally. Thomas was horrified. He wasn't sure if he should just wait or proceed. If he did proceed, he didn't know if he should acknowledge and apologize for the error or just pretend it didn't happen and move on. I'm sorry, sir. It, it won't happen again. About the meeting with the president at four, I... Did you pick up my dry cleaning? What? Marty stopped flipping through the cards, put them down on the desk, and folded his hands together. Thomas, I asked you to drop off my favorite suit at the dry cleaner yesterday. Do you remember that? Yes, I just... Did you drop the suit off two days ago, like I asked? Well, I... Did you? Yes. Thomas had never seen Marty like this before. So you dropped it off. Did you pick it up this morning? You see, that's... Just answer the question, yes or no. No. Thomas braced himself for the verbal missile sure to come his way. Why not? You know I always wear that suit when I speak to the board. I know, sir, but I... I definitely want to be wearing it when I'm having to give a speech like... like this. 
So why didn't you pick it up? I tried, sir, but I lost the claim ticket. You lost the claim ticket? I'm sorry. I'm sure I just misplaced it somewhere. I can try. Don't speak. Marty sat in silence, head facing downward, massaging his temples with his index and thumb. Finally, he sighed and looked up again. Thomas was sweating bullets. I'm sorry, Thomas, but this is unacceptable. I pay you far too much for you to be making major mistakes like this. I know this is your first time, and ordinarily I'd let a mistake, even as big as this, slide with a warning. However, this whole week has been quite revealing. The incompetence shown at nearly every level in this company has made it clear that it's time for some restructuring. Thomas stood there, too shocked to understand what was being implied. I'm sorry, Thomas. You're fired. Flabbergasted, Thomas gaped. Finally, his brain told him to start moving, and he slowly turned to gather up his remaining things. Suddenly, his brain felt outraged, and he turned to give his boss a piece of his mind. He swung around to find Marty staring at him piercingly. Thomas sputtered and lost his nerve, spinning back around to leave. Marty Corbin's office, sold. Janice was saying as Thomas exited the office. He shut the door and then propped himself up against it, looking rather pathetic. Janice looked over and saw Thomas standing there. Thomas, what happened? He continued leaning on the door, unable to force himself to move. He opened his mouth, tried to talk, failed, swallowed, and tried again. I got fired. What? Oh, Thomas, I'm so sorry. He said I was incompetent that it was time to restructure. I, I don't know what to say. You're the best personal assistant he's ever had. I don't see how he could say something like that. Well, watch out. You may be next. Janice seemed shocked by this and was quite prepared to deny it. It wasn't long, however, before the cold, hard truth of the statement set in and she fell silent. Thomas finally peeled himself away from the door and began to leave. Janice? Yes, Mr. Corbin? Place an ad in the classifieds for a new personal assistant. I want the ad to say that... Thomas closed the door behind him, walked down the hall to the elevator, and left work for the last time. What will our hero Thomas do now that he has lost his job? Will he ever find the ticket to Marty Corbin's dry cleaning? Will finding said ticket allow him to get his job back? Tune in to next week's episode of Strange Future to find out. In that episode of Strange Future, Carl Friedman was the narrator and the dry cleaner. Dustin Smith was Thomas Gordon and conductor number one. Rick Smith was Bill the doorman. Josh Smith was conductor number two. Kathy Friedman was Janice. And Eric Carter was Marty Corbin. At least five years of relevant experience required. Those who have ever lost dry cleaning claim tickets need not apply.